Welcome to Only Trying to Help, the podcast where we try to help you help other people. My name is Kate Watson. I'm here with a good friend of mine, Dr. James Anderson. And I almost can't believe I've known you for what, like eight years or something like that? That's kind of wild to me. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Feel feel free to tell them how we met eight years ago. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, thanks for having me on, Kate. Um I'm privileged to be a part of this podcast. I've listened to it a few times before and um, you do a wonderful job. Um, So yeah, I'm James Anderson. I'm a clinical psychologist. I work at Bassett Healthcare in upstate New York. Um, And I have known Kate, as she said, since 2013. Um, I believe we met in Krakow. How many people in your life can you say you met in Poland? Come on. I count them on <laughs> two hands. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'm pretty excited to say I have a friend. You know, we met eight years ago traveling in Poland. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, we're pretty lucky. And all these years later, I'm so happy to still call you a friend. And it was interesting. James and I were texting about the podcast. And I was like, why don't you come on the show sometime? And we were floating around a few topics and somehow we landed on this one where we thought we might talk about regret. And it only seemed appropriate that we both be drinking alcohol while we do that. So cheers, my friend. <laughs> I, I hope you have one. Do you? Cheers, Kate. I do. I have a, uh, a fine Belgian ale. Belgian ale. All right. I'm having some white wine and we're going to do a Zoom cheers. So I just, I didn't know how to talk about re- regret without a little bit of booze. <laughs> uh, here, here. I'm right there with you. I was thinking about this and I was like, how do you even open a conversation about regret without making a lot of jokes about the nights that you've spent out with friends drinking too much and dancing until we embarrass ourselves? Like, I don't know. How how do we avoid that? (laughs) I don't know. But yeah, you you don't want to regret the opening to the regret podcast. Um, Yeah. To to me, regret is something that I I suspect all of us have to some extent at some point in our life. Um, I think there's a, there's a lot of ways to, to think about it, but in some ways I think sort of acknowledging that is, is helpful. Regret is inevitable. Yeah, I think so too. And that's helpful to hear because you also hear a lot of people say things like, my biggest fear in the world is regret. There's nothing I fear more than regret. And so I think you're right. It's kind of worth pausing on the the heaviness of like the thing that we probably all deal with is also something that a lot of people have really, really deep fears about. And I don't know what is, what is so paralyzing about regret for people? So I'll, I'll answer with, with a caveat that I, I don't think it has to be or is always paralyzing, but I will agree wholeheartedly that, that it is to a, to a large degree for a lot of people. 
I think it's I think it's tied up with shame, maybe. I thought so too. Yeah. I um I was thinking about how shame and regret are different things but overlap a lot and get confused a lot and it's really tough to tease them apart. Um and and as you know, you had not logged into this yet, James, but I, I was kind of having that thought while I was waiting for you. And I was deciding like, how much do I want to talk about shame tonight um, while I drink my wine? <laughs> how much do I want to talk about shame tonight? Because we have, we have addressed it before on the podcast, but maybe not enough. Um, it mm. comes up, it comes up on the podcast because we talk about wanting to help people and sometimes a misconception about how to help people is folks might lean on what I call shame tactics, like trying to make someone feel bad about what they've done, thinking that will help them be better or behave better or grow in the future. And so we say things to people like, what kind of role model have you been for your children? Come on, get your act together. Your kids are watching this or your parents didn't raise you like this. You know, you don't want to be this way. And to me, those are statements that we make or questions that we ask that are meant to make a person feel really ashamed of themselves. And people do this, I think, with some good intentions. They think they're helping somebody have like a wake up call, an aha moment, and they're going to move forward now. Uh, and I, I agree with you that this probably overlaps with regret a lot. Like if I can make a person regret what they've done, they won't do that again. Um, and I, I, I suspect sometimes this does not come from a good place, but often it does. Oh, absolutely. And, and I would suggest that, you know, cer certainly for myself and, you know, if I was, if I was talking to someone who was interested in asking, that's, that's probably not the approach I'd like to lean on most often in, in trying to help other people. Um, I will say that I, I think that there are instances where we feel we we do something, we recognize that it is a mistake. Yeah. We, in some sense, wish that we wouldn't have, or think if I could do it over again, I would do X, Y, and Z. Or potentially, the helpful part is if you push, if you let that push you forward. So that the next time I'm in a situation like that, I am going to choose to behave differently. I don't know. Is that regret in some ways that, that feels sort of like regret, but not quite the same thing? But it can be helpful in some ways, but only if it is dosed and if it is balanced with the right perspective. And I think the right balance of self-esteem or feelings of self-worth, I'm not sure how to put it. Yeah, I, I was, I was in my head thinking self-worth, self-worth. Um, but I think what you're describing is when, when a person says to themselves, oh, I'm better than that. I'm totally, I'm totally better than right. that. You know, I, I'm a good person and I have good qualities and I like myself. Why did I do that dumb thing? I'm not like that. I am so good. I think so highly of myself. And so yes. that is where a little healthy dose of regret may come from a place of thinking better of yourself. And that makes it different from shame. Shame is when you say I'm garbage. I'm the worst. I no, I just, right. I don't deserve right. happiness. I am a failure. No one yes. wants to be around me. You know, that's yeah. sort of the ugly side of the coin, but the, the more helpful side is when we say, Oh damn, I really screwed up. 
And I shouldn't have screwed up. I know exactly how to be. I know how to behave. I think better of myself than that. It reminds me of sort of the, the state trait attribution, right? So when you're able to make a mistake, recognize it as, oh, I did a bad thing. I am a good person. That, that's helpful or can be. Yeah. But when you, when you turn it to this bad thing is me, it mm-hmm. defines me, that's a problem. That's a problem. And I, I worry that we do this to kids a lot. I worry that we say things like, you know, you're in the way you're bothering me. Um, you're a troublemaker. You're one of the bad kids. When what would be more helpful is to say, you, you know how to behave. You, you chose not to this time. You made a choice this time to behave in a different way, but I know you to be the kind of kid who can be helpful. And I know you to be the kind of kid who can be a good listener. Um, Today, you you didn't do those things. Um, Today, it's not that you let me down. You may have let yourself down. But, but, so I I totally agree. Um, But it's interesting to think about. So, so let's imagine that a parent is talking to their kid and they're doing it successfully in the way that you just described, right? Like mm-hmm. describing it as a, a discrete behavior, a, a state, a thing, almost like a mistake, right? In a sense, it, it kind of feels like the parent is trying to foster a sense of mild regret about a particular action, just yeah. not a regret of who you are, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. I, I think the intention is to hope anyway, right? Hope that that little kid is going to say, you're right, mom. You're right, dad. I'm such a good kid. Why did I do that thing? <laughs> you're laughing as a parent. I know. <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah. I have a four and a half year old. So, yes, I, I yeah, I know uh, occasionally when it works uh, almost that well and many times where, you know, not always that perfect (laughs) you're laughing as a parent I'm laughing as someone who doesn't have kids and when I do trainings and I do speaking engagements I always make it very clear I'm gonna stay out of the parenting stuff folks because the last thing you want to hear from someone who doesn't have kids is any kind of parenting advice (laughs) um so you know I I you know maybe the little scene we created isn't isn't so authentic but it's at least the hope right it's the parent's hope is that the child will say you know, I am a helpful person and a good listener. Why 100%. did I? Why did I disobey the rules? How silly of me. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. You know, and and I think then what we're landing on is that it's not that regret is good or bad. It's that there's there's context matters and, and how this is used between people in relationships matters is this idea of making a person regret something? Is it used viciously or in a way to put them down? Or is it used in a way to highlight their strengths to say, wow, you're, you're typically awesome at that thing that you didn't do. So I'm a little surprised to see that you fell short of that today. Um, and so how we might use regret in conversations with people seems to be the key. It's not, is it good or bad? It's how it's used. Yes. And, and, circling back to what what I think we were starting to say before we we got into into that that state trait riff I think 
recognizing internally the inevitability of feeling of regret and the sort of ubiquity and also the fact that it is one of a number of, of feelings or sensations that will come across your consciousness. And we want to attend to those feelings, but not hold on to them too tightly. Um, and, and, and let, and this is, this is getting into a, a little bit of um, acceptance and commitment therapy, but, but it is this idea of feelings and thoughts being part of a human experience. You're going to have an array of feelings that are different from one another to the extent to which we can avoid labeling them good or bad um, can be helpful sometimes. And yeah. I think regret can fall into that category. I think we've been talking about the ways people might use regret like a tool, but let's put that mm -hmm. aside, as you said, what happens when it's your friend, okay, James, your best friend calls you, you pick up the phone, hey man, what's up? And your best friend says, I made a dumb decision. I have so much regret about it. If I could just go back in time and do something different, I know I would. Is there anything that you might list as like do's and don'ts as like friend behavior here? Like, like what's not helpful to say to your friend who's in a moment of regret uh, versus what might be a helpful response? And again, our audience here, James, is not a lot of psychologists and social right. workers. It's sort of family members and colleagues who are just like, what do I say? Um, right. Do you have any thoughts about like do's and don'ts there? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, if it's a, if it's a close friend and, and they're calling you, I, I'd say perhaps stating the obvious, listen a lot first, you know, do, do a lot of, of listening, um, supportive statements. Um, That's you said that's obvious. That's obvious to you, James, as someone who does this for a living. I think to a lot of folks, it's like, oh, right. I didn't even listen. <laughs> so I'm glad you're starting with, I know it feels mm -hmm. obvious to you, but I think to a lot of people, it's not listening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, there's, there's, there's certainly a degree of um, you know, there's kind of a range here, but I think a lot of times if somebody is calling with regret, it's a really good friend of mine, I'm probably going to be a little bit reluctant to go too hard at saying, oh, you're completely wrong. Like what you did there is absolutely fine. Um, you know, I'm probably going to sort of gently sit there with them and hear what they say. And then you know, I actually just, ha it's funny that you bring this up. I, I somewhat recently had a situation very much like what you're describing. Okay, name um, names. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I need to know what this person did so we can put a poll on social media exactly. and judge them. Were yeah. they right or were they wrong? <laughs> yeah, but um, just in, in general terms, um, he was uh, explaining a mistake that he had made that he felt, he felt terrible about it. And um, it had some negative consequences for him. 
in his life. And it's been, I hadn't talked with him for a while and it's been several years now. Um, and I mean, we opened the conversation. He probably took 40 minutes detailing mm. like what had happened over this time. Um, it was on a Zoom call, not dissimilar to this. We ended up being on for like two hours. But what I heard from him so much was it sounded like he was doing a, a little bit about what we were talking about before, that he had owned this mistake, which was a legitimate mistake, so deeply that in every conversation he was having, that's what he was leading with. Mm. And um, so I don't know, it's probably not always um, that significant, but I think to the extent possible, helping friends not feel as though they have to always lead with the worst part of themselves, either in the way, certainly in the way that they are communicating to other people, but as important in the way that they're viewing themselves. Yes, you have to own your mistakes, but you don't have to like become your mistakes. Yeah. So, um, to the extent of being able to help a friend sort of like put it in that kind of perspective. Um, I don't know, that might be helpful. I'm smiling because, you know, when you think about anyone who reaches out to someone and says like, I, I want to testify against myself right now, you know, like I, yeah. I want to say out loud what I've done. There's immediately a strength there. Like, it, right away, there's inherently something to, to identify as really positive about that person. You're someone who yeah. really values accountability. You're holding yourself to a standard and you're owning where you've gone wrong. And, you know, it, it might be more my style. I don't know if this is everybody, but I might say something like, you know, not everybody does that, right? <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. not everybody admits out loud their mistakes and here you mm -hmm. are doing it. Um, so, you know, there's that. Um, mm -hmm. I also think sometimes when we hear from people we really care about, it is hard to sit and listen for 40 minutes while they tell a story because our hearts are going out to them during it. And it's tempting to want to swoop in and save them from their own story. And it's tempting to want to rush in with, you know, listen, everything will be okay. And this will all blow over. And you were only doing the best you could do with what you knew at the time. And everything happens for a reason. And look, there's always a lesson to be learned. Sometimes it's very tempting to swoop in with those platitudes to kind of move the conversation forward. And it takes a brave friend or family member to sit for 40 minutes and say, you know, share your story, share, share who you are yeah. and where you are right now. Yeah. And so, you know, while, while, while you're listening to someone who's talking about a, a mistake or a, or a feeling of regret, you're listening. I do think that, you know, to the extent that you're able to pepper in a couple of non-judgmental, open-ended types of questions, that, that sometimes can be helpful, especially if it's someone, you know, if there's, they're wanting to talk, but they're struggling, that can help them kind of get it out a little bit more. Yeah. I agree. And they don't have to be fancy, you know, like no. you, you don't need, you don't need a degree to come up with these no. questions. Like they could be things like, so what do you think? <laughs> right. Right. You know, 
what what's helpful right now? What do you need? I mean, these really don't have to be complex, high level. You don't have to read a book about this if you don't want to. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, hell, I certainly have have regrets. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you want to testify right now? <laughs> I kind of started with that. No, not not particularly. No, no. <laughs> I probably would have edited them out if you did. If you were like, yeah. all right, number one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I'd be surprised, James, if you didn't. And that's not like a shot at you. That's that's what's yeah. a, that's a statement I would say to anyone, which is I'd be really surprised if you've made it this far in life with no regrets, because that would tell me that you haven't really done anything. <laughs> right, right. Um, it's funny. It's funny sometimes uh, in my line of work, uh, I, I will have patients not in a um, not in an angry or bitter way, but they will make sort of offhand comments suggesting that like, <laughs> I'm so well put together and, you know, I am, I am flattered that they think that. Um, but Do you laugh yeah. in their faces when they're like, your life's perfect. Do you burst into laughter? <laughs> you know, I try to, I try to stay in, uh, in Dr. Anderson mo- uh, mode in those moments, but I, I definitely, um, make some facial expressions and, and non-verbals to sort of suggest uh, slow your roll. It's not all that perfect in, in, <laughs> in my world. Uh, yeah. You're over there like, I know this looks good over here. <laughs> <laughs> well, not these days, Kate, uh, you know, uh, COVID and Zoom, uh, my, my style game, and certainly as you can see here, my hair game has uh, regressed a little bit. Um, yeah. I wasn't going to out you on all your hair worries, but <laughs> you did it. You did that. Um, oh, but you know, I, I, again, you know, you, you said, first of all, I like your dramatic pause that happened before you said, I have regrets. <laughs> um, you know, got to keep it, got to keep it 100 here for the listeners. I mean, that, yeah, of course we, we all do. That dramatic pause is staying in when I do the editing for this, but, um, <laughs> but I, I was thinking about that too. Listen, you and I have had what a couple weeks to think about what we want to talk about on this. So I, you know, I've had a couple days or weeks, I don't recall, but uh, I've had some time to think about like, what does this topic mean to me? And, and again, the first thing I thought of is the people who say regret is my biggest fear in life. And I thought, well, that's not me. I don't think regret is my biggest fear in life. And it, it led me on to a really weird path of what is like, <laughs> what is my biggest fear in life? And, and I realized that this may even be wound up with regret for a lot of people, which is for me, I, I don't handle like public embarrassment. Well, like that, that's one of like, most of the things I fear are things that I fear might embarrass me in some way. And that's probably surprising since I stand on a lot of stages and do a lot of talking and I'm bound to embarrass myself at some point. But when I think about the things I'm really afraid of doing, most of it's rooted in, well, what if people laugh at me? Or what if I look dumb? Or what if, what if it ruins my reputation? And then I connected that to regret because I was like, I suppose the things I regret most are the things that exposed me to what really is my biggest fear, some sort of threat Mm. to my reputation or my pride. And that's probably true of everybody that they say they fear regret, but they really fear regretting something in particular. Um, No, I think that's good. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm, Fitball in here, but yes, 
uh, failure, um, embarrassment, um, pain, loneliness, loneliness, death, right? Like, I guess <laughs> should we just end there? Yeah, <laughs> I should just yeah. stop recording right there. Loneliness yeah. and death. Bye, everybody. Boom. <laughs> Yeah, but, I think you know, those are the big ones. I think those are the big ones too. But but um, I was I was thinking about this too. I mean, is it possible that it's not regret that's your biggest fear? It's one of those things you listed, James. It's pain or loneliness or embarrassment or failure or death, and you're afraid you might make a decision you regret that led to one of those things. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like I I hear people say. You know, I'm unsure about my relationship. I don't know if I should stay or go. I don't want to make a decision I might regret. Is the root of that you're afraid of being alone? I don't know. Don't know. Just a guess. Um, Someone might say, I'm thinking about leaving my job and trying something new. I I don't know. I don't want to regret it. Is the root of that fear of failure? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I, I I think certainly the failure part. I mean, especially if I sort of imagine the person who's feeling torn or uncertain about whether or not to leave a long-term relationship. I mean, so I think it's possible that regret is a cognition or a set of cognitions. It is an evaluation that a person is making about behaviors or choices or about a feeling that they have. So regret is kind of the story or a story that we can tell ourselves about a choice that we made or a feeling that we have or a feeling that we're trying to avoid. Mm. For the folks who are thrown by the word cognition, I'll just say, you know, you're, I think you're saying regret is something you think more than you feel. Yes. Yeah. What I thought we might do, and, and we're, you know, sort of coming to the end of our time, but what I thought we might do is, is take it back to this idea of being helpful to others, right? And one thing that I think comes up is helpers, whoever you are, whether you are a teacher or a manager or a social worker or a doctor, or you are just a, a caring parent, whoever you are, when you're in that moment of wanting to be helpful to others, I think sometimes a helper has a, a, a fear of regret that they didn't do more. Like, I got to be there for my friend right now. If this goes wrong, I will regret that I didn't help more. And, um, you know, I guess I'm saying like, okay, let's imagine you have a friend or a loved one who's struggling with I don't know, uh, we're we're drinking, let's go with alcohol problem, for example. Mm -hmm. And maybe you decide, I'm staying out of it. This is none of my business. I'm gonna let Mm -hmm. so-and-so do their thing. They'll figure their stuff out. I'm Mm -hmm. not getting involved. And that person ends up with a DUI or they end up losing their job or there's some heavy consequence to their drinking. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people put that on themselves and they say, I should have done more to help. Um, And I think this is another way to think of regret that helpers feel. Why didn't I step in? Why didn't I say something? And um, I I know it's tempting to say to that well-meaning, helpful or wanting to be helpful person, 
no, you can't think of it that way, or that's not your fault, or don't blame yourself. But I also know the real dialogue in my head, in my real life every day is, you know, I got to show up for my friend right now, because if something happens to him or her, I will regret that I didn't help. Uh, so as much as I want to tell people, don't do that to yourself. I kind of do that to myself. I, it's, it's hard not to feel that I guess when you are a very compassionate person, it's hard not to feel like I really need to be there for people or I might regret it. Any thoughts about that, James? Yeah, yeah well, um, I mean, first off, I, I think one of the things that's so complex about this concept of, of regret, I mean, in a sense there, to a point, the fear of regret helps you maintain a behavior that I think is of high personal value to you. Like you, you would like at the end of your life, your funeral, many, many years from now, if somebody stood up and said, top line item, Kate was a compassionate person. Yeah. I, I suspect that, that you would, that would feel like a life well lived if you yeah. were known that way. So to a certain extent, fear of regret that pushes you towards whether it is a goal of being a compassionate person or a productive contributor to society or a really involved loving partner or um, parent for your child. I don't think that's all a bad thing. A little bit of that in a right dose, again, if it is pushing you forward, Mm -hmm. towards goals that are of value to you and personal importance, it could be good. If the regret is holding you back and taking the form of shame and stopping you from taking steps towards a better future or um, paralyzing you for being able to forgive yourself for something that you've done, that's when it becomes a problem. Yeah. I think that's a really helpful distinction. And, you know, earlier we were talking about asking good questions and we said they don't have to be fancy. Sometimes the question you can ask yourself in that moment is like, if I step in and try to help this person, is that helping me or is that hurting me? Yeah. Is this helping me or is this hurting me? And if it's helping me live my life in a way that makes me proud, do it, Kate, go, go help your friends, step up for them, be there for them, be a support, be a listening ear. And if it's, if it's causing me to feel so burdened and like, I can't live my own life because I always feel like I need to be there for others, then it's hurting me. And I need to, I need to ask myself that question. Yes. And, you know, if you are living your life in that way and you have a day or a night that you just you feel like you can't for whatever reason, like you're, you're exhausted or you've got a lot going on, or there's, you know, you have a rare chance to finally do something that is for you and you can't do it on a particular night, finding a way to be able to say, I am a compassionate person. I give a lot of love and help to my friends. I also have to be compassionate towards myself. I can take this, this activity or this night and enjoy it. And I'm still compassionate, Kate. Yeah. Yeah. So as we start to kind of tie this all together, one thing that really jumps out at me, James, is that no matter whether we looked at regret through like 
helping a friend who's feeling regret or regret you might feel as a helper yourself, whatever hat you're wearing or whoever's feeling the regret, we've talked about this as something that could be helpful, it could be hurtful, context matters, um, how it's being used matters, and it might be nice to just always reflect on, is this helping or is this hurting? It, it is feeling this regret right now helping me be a better person or is it holding me back? Um, if I'm helping my friend right now and they're going through a lot of regret, is that feeling maybe motivating or, or energizing for them in some way? Or is it really defeating for them in some way? It could serve both purposes. And that might be what we're kind of listening for and trying to tease out when regret comes up in our lives. Um, is there anything you wanted to add about that, James? No, um, I think that was a, a wonderful summary. Um, you know, remember, uh, both on this podcast and when we're talking with friends, we're only trying to help. Um, and uh, yeah, I just, uh, I, I'm, I'm really grateful to you for uh, having me come on today. Uh, I, I wanted to avoid the regret that I feared I might feel for not coming on this show. Um, and you're, you, you do a great job and uh, it's been an honor. Well, we're happy to relieve you from that regret that you may feel. You can lay your head on the pillow tonight. You can put your head down tonight and take a deep breath and say, all is well. I was on the Only Trying to Help podcast. It was a life well led. <laughs> it was a life well lived for sure. For sure. I'll just turn to the audience now and say, listen, folks, if you have any comments or questions about anything we spoke about today, you're always, always welcome to reach out to the show. You can email me using kate at onlytryingtohelp.com. So that's kate, which is K-A-T-E at onlytryingtohelp.com. If you have any questions for James in particular, still send them there. I can happily pass them along to him. Uh, and we look forward to having you back again sometime, James. And to all the listeners, until next time. <laughs> <laughs>